We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app you're listening to kcbs in depth we came very close to a catastrophic breakdown of our democratic accountability the people places and issues the bay area is talking about right now we're kind of stuck in this cycle where every summer we're hearing another story about a big fire and a town burning down it's still extremely difficult to hold government agencies accountable for abuses that take place in the name of national security this is kcbs in depth Welcome to a special presentation of KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. Starting this weekend, there's a new three-digit emergency number to call, and this one is specifically tailored for people experiencing mental health crises. It's 988, and punching in those three numbers will now put callers in touch with trained counselors ready to offer support and also connect them with local resources. The hope is to provide an alternative to the traditional 911 call. And this rollout could mark a major shift in how emergency services are offered throughout the country. So today on the program, as part of Odyssey's national I'm Listening campaign to promote awareness around mental health topics, we're going to be hearing more about how 988 calls will work from Dr. Christine Moutier, who helps lead the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Dr. Moutier recently sat down for a conversation with Riggs. He's a mental health advocate and radio host working out of Milwaukee, and he'll be leading today's show. They started their talk discussing a topic that we bring up quite a bit on this program, how to cope with the stresses and challenges of these trying times. Here's the conversation. Welcome to an Odyssey Mental Wellness Initiative. It's I'm Listening because talk has the power to save lives. My name is Andy Riggs, and I'm very happy to be joined today by the Chief Medical Officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, Dr. Christine Moutier. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you, Riggs, for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. How do you feel the overall mental health state of America is? Like, how are we? I know we've had a lot of conversations about mental health, but are we improving with our mental health, do you feel like, overall? You know, I feel like it, it, of course, depends on who you talk to. And there are people who are struggling. Absolutely. There are also a lot of people who have found new ways to thrive and cope because of the experiences of sort of being able to dialogue about it like never before. You know, some of the experiences might have been new or they might have been, you know, worsening of their pre-existing depression or anxiety. But 
and I actually just had the opportunity to review the CDC's household pulse survey, mm -hmm. which has been throughout the pandemic, kind of taking the pulse of mental health experiences of like average Americans, all different demographics, geography, age groups. And um, it looks to me like there is a sort of steady state going on overall, but again, it really depends on who you talk to. And there are families, there are young people, there are middle-aged people who are 100% struggling. And again, trying to access mental health care, sometimes connecting with that and sometimes not being able to do that. So there's a, there's a lot of things going on for sure. There's a lot of talk about mental health. We have celebrities speaking out. We have athletes speaking out. We have, you know, newscasters and media people speaking out. Do you think that's also helping with people to reach out for help? Absolutely. Dialogue and disclosure about our true authentic experiences as human beings, which includes our mental health. You know, remember, we all have mental health. Sometimes we're struggling. Some of us have mental health conditions, but we all have mental health. So talking about it and those examples, those role models and people who are doing that, I view it as um, having been someone who's done that myself over time. It, it's actually very freeing because what happens is other people people connect with you and you have a sense of like your relationships deepen, you get to be freed up and much more authentic and receive support and, and find new pathways. Otherwise, until that happens, there's a sort of a stuckness that can happen with our mental health. What's a good way to get out of those ruts that a lot of us find ourselves in? I think that is an awesome topic because when you are struggling, your brain is not working optimally. You are not feeling your best. Oftentimes we have our own sort of self sense of stigma that keeps us sort of stuck and keeps us silent. But what I would say is, I would say to anybody who is struggling, think of one person that you view as a safe, trusted person in your life, where you at least have a sense that, that they're going to understand, or if not understand, just not judge. And I would start with that person. On the receiving end of things, there's some, there's some kind of lessons learned here as well. If someone in your life starts to kind of hint at stuff they're going through, they might just be in a way kind of testing you out to see if you are a person who can be supportive and trustworthy and handle a conversation where you actually show interest in wanting to learn more about what it is they're experiencing. How should we respond on that receiving end if we are the person that someone comes to? Uh, I know listening without judging is a big thing to do, but how do you react to something like that? I would say to the person, I'm so glad you trusted me to even be able to say what you're really going through. And I want you to know there's no judgment. And I want to learn more about what it is you're experiencing. And you can just stop right there and let them tell you more. You know, I think we do get caught up in a sense of, oh my goodness, are they at risk right now? And I think it's important for people to realize that in any room, in a workplace or in a school, in a faith-based place, there is a percentage, there's always a percentage of people in the room who are struggling they are not talking about it necessarily and talking about it can be their first step in a path to healing and hope and feeling supported and possibly receiving treatment. 
remember you you don't have to be their clinician their doctor their therapist you are whatever you are to them their sibling their friend their colleague and so your job is to respond like they had just told you imagine something else that um it would be very private but a, a matter of health let's say that they're going through a new diagnosis of diabetes or cancer or something very serious you wouldn't you know run away from that you would say oh my goodness I'm so sorry you're going through that. How can I support you? Tell me more about what it is you're going through. I want to be a good friend to you. Talk really does have the power to save lives. That's why we're here today. It's Odyssey's Mental Wellness Initiative. I'm listening, and I'm here with Dr. Christine Moutier, the Chief Medical Officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Can we hit really quick on the, the topic of asking someone about suicide? Because I think there's still a big myth out there that if you ask someone about suicide, you're going to plant the idea in their head. And that's just not true. And you knowing your research, can you tell us, can you talk to that point, please? Yeah, there are several studies that actually show that that is not the case, that asking somebody if they're having thoughts of ending their life is actually is a way to provide help and relief. And that people who are on the receiving end of that, first of all, if they're not having suicidal thoughts, it doesn't somehow magically make them suicidal. That's not that's not true. It's not the way it works. Um, and, and again, the research finds that it does not increase risk for somebody who is, um, you know, on that path of struggling or thinking of ending their life. I would say that it's important to ask the question, um, the, the way that I do it is linking up with something that the person has just told me. Usually people, if you say, I really want to understand how you're doing and what's going on in your life, they'll tell you about the circumstances of their life, right? I'm going through this thing at my workplace, um, my marriage, I'm struggling, finances, breakup, you know, it'll be kind of facts about circumstances, but the way that they explain it, their tone of voice, the words that they use will give you hints about whether they might be feeling like that they feel overwhelmed, maybe that they feel that they're a burden to others, like they might feel that they're trapped. All of those words or tone of voice are my entry to think, oh my goodness, this person may be struggling to the point that they might be having thoughts of suicide. And the way I ask the question is I say, when you say, and I literally repeat their phrase that they've just used, it makes me wonder if you're having thoughts of ending your life. And you can just leave it right there. And I think asking it very directly like that is the best way to show that number one, you can handle it. And number two, that there's no judgment and that you've stopped talking so you're ready to listen. And that's of course the most important part. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. I'm with Dr. Christine Moutier, the Chief Medical Officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Throughout the month of May, AFSP, you did an amazing initiative called Demanding More for Mental Health. And you had a specific list of five different demands 
that you felt were needed and still necessary for mental health in our country. So starting with the first one, making uh, mental health care more accessible and affordable to everyone. Why was that the first one that we chose? And what do you mean when you make that as a demand? Yes, our May mental health campaign, Demand More for Mental Health, was really an action-oriented advocacy campaign. And it is still going on. So you can still um, find it at moreformentalhealth.org. But that first policy ask is so important because what we know is that one in four Americans will experience a mental health condition in their lifetime. The majority of those, the onset is actually during the teen years. And so that's one important thing to realize. But the other piece is that less than half of people with mental health conditions are actually connected to treatment. You know, we are living in the United States in the year 2022. That should not be a fact probably isn't for any other type of health condition. And so while we did pass federal legislation that said that Mental Health Parity Act, that mental health must be treated on par with physical health conditions, that has yet to be enforced at the state level. And that is where it gets uh, monitored and, and enforced. And so we're in this weird sort of period where, you know, if you're struggling, it can be really hard to find mental health care. And that's because mental health parity is really in its infancy stage of being enforced. So that's really what that's about, more accessible and affordable care. It's mental health parity. And it's also developing and growing up the mental health care workforce that represents the people and all of the cultures and experiences and identities that that um, you know we have in our population. So it's it's several different things, but accessing mental health care should be as simple as accessing primary care. And uh, the second one was more school-based education for mental health. Yes. Yeah, so if you approach mental health and suicide like the matters of health that they are, then it means that the public health approach applies. And the public health approach starts with education that is universal for everyone. And just like, you know, if you think about it, every, every person um, generally knows a little bit about heart disease or about preventing skin cancer, let's say, just like the basic basics. And so infusing mental health education into K-12 education can be and it is a very important universal kind of first layer of that public health model to elevate and optimize our population's mental health and reduce suicide risk. And many school districts have implemented various curricula. Um, oftentimes they're called social emotional learning, SEL curricula in K-12. And, and that's important because it, the education obviously needs to be age appropriate. We, we generally don't get into specific suicide prevention education topics until the high school years, just because of the concern about suicide contagion and really, again, age appropriate, kind of what is actionable for um, you know, children during their stages of development. There is a program, though, that is for young, younger children, second through fifth grade, called Gizmo. What Gizmo is, he, he's an actual therapy dog. And the curriculum teaches these younger children about mental health and about how to take care of your mental health, to identify a trusted adult to be able to talk with if you're going through something. So that is a program that our AFSP chapters are uh, partnered with and helping to implement in schools. And then there are also high school education and also college and university age 
um, mental health and suicide prevention education programs that are really important um, as just sort of foundational, again, learning the ABCs like we know for other health conditions. It's a time when we also need to educate the adult population about emotions and feelings are normal. They're all healthy human experiences. How we learn to speak about them and address them can make all the difference so that they don't have to turn into more negative detrimental experiences later on. Also on the demand more for mental health list, uh, there was more provider support as well. This is really important. There's been a lot of attention to health workers and, and frankly, just essential workers during the period of the pandemic. But it is a time when health workers in particular, which, which we as a profession, you know, physicians, nurses, social workers, really all health disciplines, um, have had longstanding problems with being able to take care of our own mental health proactively. And that's for a whole host of reasons that are pretty pretty complicated, but, but are now really being ready to be addressed. And health system leaders are, this is a top of mind issue. And in fact, we've um, recently seen the first piece of federal legislation pass that supports health professionals. And that is the Dr. Lorna Breen Healthcare Provider Protection Act. And so I think for the average person, it's just important to realize that your health providers are human beings as well, understanding that when they're feeling frustrated with not being able to you know, provide you with a certain type of care, it may be because the system is limiting them from being able to do so rather than any fault of their own. So I think just developing some empathy around that, but health professional mental health concerns and suicide risk have been longstanding concerns even before the pandemic. And you can find out all of these things at the website. It's moreformentalhealth.org, how you can get involved, how you can get involved on the local level, the state level, how you can advocate for these things and make sure that we demand more for mental health in our country. Let's talk about the 988 number that has just gone into place. A lot of people may not know about it, but previously we had a longer number, 1-800-273-TALK-8255. It was just a lot. And I think for a while we kind of advocated to get a shorter number, almost a 911 for the brain. And that's what we have what is 988? What does this mean? 988 is the new three-digit number for any type of mental health or suicide-related crisis, and that includes substance abuse crisis as well. So really anything that is impacting the way you are thinking, feeling, functioning, that may be related to stress, depression, anxiety, trauma, I mean, it is a wide open field. So, and as you pointed out, it's not just the person who's struggling that can use this 988 number. It is the people in their lives, the people who are trying to help um, someone they're worried about can get a lot of guidance by calling 988. I wanna make one point. 988 is like the 911 for the brain, for mental health, whereas 911 is being used for you know, medical emergencies that are mostly physical health. The biggest difference that I think is important to realize is that 911 is a, a really important resource in our nation. It is a dispatch center. So it's not that the person who is having chest pain, you know, is going to get medical treatment from the 911 operator, but with 988, 
The call itself is with a trained professional. And so there is an intervention. There's a therapeutic experience that happens just by calling 988. In the rare instance that that call needs to lead on to other referrals and other actions, that can happen too. But in the large majority of cases, 988 is the therapeutic experience. And this is for texting as well. I'm assuming I'm, I've heard that you can text as well, and it's kind of linked with the crisis text line. Yes, you can call or text or chat uh, with 988 from any part of, of the United States. What did your role at the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention play in getting the 988 number to come to fruition this year? I think we took a lead in the advocacy space um, at the national level and then in coalition with many other important organizations as well to, to really help Congress understand that mental health is, is critically important for our nation. It is the case that AFSP is not the organization that runs the Lifeline or 988. That is a colleague organization called Vibrant Emotional Health that does that. And a number of us in the space are able to advocate you know, for what the nation needs. So it is a really exciting time. And, and again, it's not just that it's a more memorable three-digit number, although that is important to treat mental health just like we do physical health. So 988 makes sense in light of 911, you know, for physical health emergencies. But it is also this incredible opportunity to really reimagine and transform our nation's crisis response system. And, and the, I think with stigma going down, people are just more willing to get help now as well. Yeah. But again, it's that there can be new funding sources now at the state level to build that infrastructure for a more appropriate person-centered mental health professionals in lieu of a primary law enforcement response that was built out of, you know, sort of, almost by happenstance in the past, we need to move away from that. We need trained mental health clinicians to be responding to mental health crises. Right. The uh, 988 number, these numbers are routed locally first, I might understand. They go to local call centers first, which whatever state you happen to be in, be it New York, California, Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois. And then those numbers then overflow if someone in your in your immediate state is not able to answer how important is it to make sure that we get the funding that we need for this new 988 number? It is essential. We see that the volume of calls have been going up over the last decade or so pre-launch of 988. So each crisis center at the county or state level is sort of funded in different ways. And we need to step it up as a nation. If we're really going to prioritize mental health, we are going to make it a priority and put the funding there that's required to hire and train the right number of staff, which, which by the way, peer specialists can be a part of this response as well. Although through the 988 system, they are all professionals that, that you will speak with. Um, but, but I just want to say that People with lived experience can also be, be called upon and trained to be a really important part of what happens next in terms of a person's access to support and education and treatment and recovery. Can we speak a little bit to the stigma that still exists around mental health and how someone may feel, well, if I call 988, I don't want the police to show up. I don't want to cause any trouble. I don't want to feel like I'm inconveniencing somebody a lot like what you would think if you reached out to a friend. Yes. So I think it is the extremely rare instance that 
a call to the lifeline or 988 now would result in in the police showing up. That is a rare event that is reserved for um, extreme situations where imminent risk to the person or others is is determined to be the case. So, you know, in terms of stigma, I think one of the biggest concerns is who will find out? Where does this information go? Is it tracked? Will my employer know? Is my family going to know? And I think this is this is sort of a two-level issue. On the one hand, stigma is reducing, and we are aiming for a time and a world to live in where mental health is treated exactly like physical health is. So there still might be privacy concerns. We still have matters of you know private health, but that when it comes to receiving care and being able to get support from your community, your family members, treatment, that stigma should not be in the way of that. But I think the additional key piece, when you are the one who's struggling, your brain is playing tricks on you. You are not thinking as clearly as you do in your usual state of health. And so you are thinking, I'm weak, I'm going to get in trouble, you know, all these sort of extreme sort of, you know, always, never, uh, my life will be over, I won't be able to work, um, you know, really extreme and, and mostly very untrue beliefs will be going through a person's mind. And so I only point that out because you may be surprised if you're thinking, I can't call 988 or I can't seek mental health care because of whatever, what my family will think, what my colleagues will think. I just want to point out that most likely your own thought process may be the biggest barrier in the way. And you'll find out by just taking that step of calling how much help and relief and support is out there. And in the vast majority of cases, there's just no negative that comes from it. It's like, if you were having chest pain or you're having some other physical health problem, when you reach out for help, that's the start of treatment, recovery, support, and healing. And it's the same thing for mental health. And 988, the number is now live. And also the Suicide Prevention Lifeline number will still lie. It will still work. It'll still direct to that 1-800-273-TALK. So know that both of those numbers are now active and up and ready for you to use right now. Thank you, Dr. Christine Moutier, for providing us some insight on that with the 988 line. I was wondering if you wouldn't be able to talk a little bit about just managing our own mental health and creating some boundaries. What are some tips that we can use managing our mental health in these times of crisis and violence and upheaval? I think it is really important to realize that there are some steps that each of us can take to be as healthy as we can be so that we can do all the things we want to do if we're if we're into advocacy or change or you know supporting others we can't do any of those optimally until we kind of center ourselves and make sure that we are thriving breathing calm and centered and really optimizing our mental health there's a couple simple things i think certainly setting some boundaries around just the time spent with news input, and that can include definitely social media, experiencing and, and intaking all of the, the negative news that's going on can have some really detrimental effects on anxiety, on sleep, mood, all those things. So, you know, I think whether it's for yourself or a friend or a, a, a loved one in your life, 
thinking about what, what that's going to look like, you know, it could look like some pragmatic steps. Like I'm going to charge my cell phone in a different place outside, you know, my bed stand in the kitchen or something so that I can really actually be away from all of that. And I think the more you try and, and experiment with different things and talk about that with other people, we're very contagious creatures. We're social, we're socially wired. So when you hear somebody's trying something like that, you might affect those around you for good as well. Sure. And what can we do on the other side of that? How can we be there for those people and support those people in our lives that are having direct impact on those experiences? I think the first thing is to just check in with people who might be impacted. Um, And look, there's so many things going on right now. (laughs) We're probably all being impacted by different things. But, But checking in with each other is a really, I think, like a loving practice to do and then figuring out how, what the person needs and how you kind of walk that walk is the next step. I can tell you, and I think, you know, this rigs that in the mental health and suicide prevention advocacy world, it's a very incredible experience because we get to be free of stigma. What matters at the end of the day is all, you know, is sort of in a new priority and we get to care about each other and prioritize my own and each other's mental health. And that's a really powerful thing. Dr. Christine Moutier, the Chief Medical Officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Thank you so much for being part of our very important mental health, mental wellness initiative here at Odyssey. I'm listening. Talk really does have the power to save lives. We appreciate the work you do with us, with Odyssey, and all the work you do with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And that was Riggs in conversation with Dr. Christine Moutier, Chief Medical Officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. This has been a special presentation of KCBS In-Depth, part of the national I'm Listening campaign. Thanks for joining us. Talk again next week. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 